Good morning. I bring you greetings from the 78th General Convention of the Episcopal Church, just ended in Salt Lake City. I got off the plane Friday evening and went to bed and got my first good night's sleep in about 10 days, <laughs> dreaming that I was back in the House of Deputies, that grand experiment that our church started 230 years ago amongst over 800 other deputies from across the church and um, in kind of a kind of an amusing spirit recounting one of those many dialogues that happened over those 10 days for what reason does the deputy rise to microphone number two <clears throat> madam president i wish to make a point of personal privilege that is in order please continue Thank you, Madam President. I wish to ask to have leave that I may take a nap. <laughs> Thank you, Deputy. Please proceed. <laughs> it was an intense 10 days. I was secretary to a new committee called the Resolutions Review Committee, which means I found myself in a back room with a projector and a computer with 25 other committee members, most of whom happened to be lawyers and chancellors, all lovely people, but incredibly fast up here. So it was very intense. We reviewed over 370 separate pieces of legislation in 10 days, made sure that it all got to the floor in good order. So you can imagine what happens if things are in bad order and you have 800 deputies ready to step up to the microphone how quickly that eats up the House's time. So our job was to keep the wheels of convention running smoothly. And I'd say we did okay. We did okay. And if you were watching the news at all, you also know it was a historical convention. Um, in addition to passing marriage equality, we also um, uh, elected our first African-American presiding bishop, Michael Curry of North Carolina. And just as the wheels of General Convention are up and running smoothly, we come to the end of our big fat church meeting. And our presiding bishop-elect preached at the last Eucharist, and the essence of his sermon was, go, go forth, right out of the gospel, which was the great commission for Matthew, go forth into the world. You've been here sort of in this great experience, a mountaintop experience almost, but he says, now you must go and you must proclaim the gospel. General Convention is fun, it's nice, it's kind of a home away from home, and those of us who go to it regularly get kind of hooked on it, you know, and look forward to it happening next time. But the real work is here, isn't it? Out in the world, back at home. My family and I are getting ready to travel to Japan tomorrow, and we're in the midst of all of our preparations and packing, and how do you manage a three-year-old on a plane for 11 hours? That's a whole different sermon, I'm sure, right there. But where is home? Where is home? For the past 10 days, I was in Salt Lake City, where every day felt like a week. And that became home for a while, and now I'm back at home with you all, and then I will be back at home in Japan. Where is home? This is the riddle of today's gospel when Jesus arrives home, right? His hometown. 
of Nazareth. And he gets home, and of course everybody thinks they know Jesus, right? This is the little boy we saw playing in the street when he was young. We know his parents. We know his brothers and sisters. We know the business, if you will, that he inherited. And here he comes back from a walkabout with these strange words on his lips. And for Jesus, it's very frustrating. A prophet, he says, is not without honor except in his hometown. Greatly frustrating because the people cannot see past this little boy that they thought they knew. And they can't hear what he's saying because they are so perplexed, vexed even. Something is different about him. A priest I knew in the Midwest recounted that when she went off to seminary, she came home to Iowa and was with her family, and she was amazed at how much they had changed while she had been away. Of course, it took a little while, but uh, it finally dawned on her that they hadn't changed. She had. I remember one of the biggest conflicts I ever had with my mother was spring break after my first year as an undergraduate, getting home and suddenly finding myself feeling strange in the place where I had grown up. This is a common human experience, and it is one of the great spiritual challenges for us as Christians when we go away and come back changed. But it is the primary spiritual experience and our calling even. Jesus, immediately after experiencing this in Nazareth, sends his followers out two by two to proclaim the gospel. And he tells them how they should travel light. They should travel light. Carry only the bare necessities of what you need. Go in and take whatever hospitality you are offered. Mark, in his usual pithy way, seems to gloss over this story. The other gospel authors will expand on it further, but it cannot be overstated how important this passage is as a model of Christian life for all of us. All of us who are sooner or later taken out of our comfort zones and thrust into a new environment and new circumstances and how that shakes loose everything we thought we knew and how we find ourselves letting go of those things that we had clung to so closely and finding our hands filled with new things, some of which are strange, and powerful indeed, and then how we ultimately return, change, different. That is the Christian life. And it is so critically important that in fact the language of the Gospels change. Jesus' disciples, his followers, are no longer known as disciples but apostles, rooted in that Greek word which means sent, sent forth. That's why our presiding bishop-elect said to all of us who are at general convention, go. That is our calling. Go forth. So often we are habituated to think that the real work of the gospel happens here on Sunday mornings, but no, no. 
This is where we are reminded of what our true calling is and why at the end of our service our deacon says, go forth, go, go. The real work of the gospel is out there. The true transformation that God calls us to is a transformation in which we are sent forth. A transformation that allows us to let go of all of those comforts that we so cling to that we call home, but that keep us small and keep us away from the dynamic life that God calls us into. The world has many ways, of course, to figure out where we belong. How do you prepare for a trip to Japan? Well, you have to get out your passports and your plane tickets and all of those things that prove where you come from and where you are going and how long you can stay there and who gets to decide. And we are judged on our nationality, sometimes on our skin color, on our culture, on our language, on all of those things by which the world defines us. But God defines us differently. Because God wants us to be free, truly free. So that our home is wherever we find ourselves sent to proclaim the gospel. God transforms us for a single purpose, and that is to become God's children, free of all the ways the world confines us, that we may have identity fundamentally and first of all in the love of God, a baptismal identity, so that we may find ourselves at home no matter where we are, a true missional people a people given as a healing bomb for a world that often seems broken and hurting. That transformation is so profound and difficult to put into words for each of us that we might be like Paul writing to the Corinthians in today's letter. It's one of those rare instances where God writes about, or God, Paul, writes about himself in the, in the third person. He talks about this ecstatic experience that someone else has, but it becomes very clear very quickly he's talking about himself. And it is so awkward to describe it, to put it into writing, that we have this sense in which, Paul, you know, you need a whole committee of letter review to figure out what you're saying. And I've got about 25 chancellors who can help you with that. We'll sit down and we'll deliberate and we'll work through it, but that's the life. That's the life out there. That's the life of encountering mystery, of encountering a God who always is there to surprise us, to shake us loose, to shake us loose of even the theological assumptions we've had in our lives, to shake us loose of that assumption that we know about God and we know what God wants of us. Well, in fact, we don't. And each day is a mystery like that. And the only way to embrace that mystery is to travel light, 
to let go of those things that we cling so closely to, and to find our hands and our hearts and our minds and our lives filled with things that we don't expect. And in that moment, to learn how to love anew and to be free for God's mercy, for God's love, for God's gracious purpose in a world that so desperately needs to hear it. So as our presiding bishop-elect says, go, but not quite yet. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.